to the Construction Big Breakfast, where we give you a hearty serving of insider tips and business strategies to help fuel your day so you can thrive in the construction industry. Now, here's your host, Tip Top Tim Fitch. Uh, Hello and welcome to uh, our latest episode of the Construction Big Breakfast. And today, our special guest is Stephen Coote, president of uh, Group 92. Uh, And with me also is my colleague, uh, Sheldon, who I'm sure you recognize from uh, a couple of past uh, podcasts. Um, So, Steve, uh, most importantly, with all our podcast guests, before we get into uh, proper introductions and the the meat of the podcast, is that that question that we ask everyone, what did you have for breakfast? Well, I had uh, too, too many coffees and uh, actually Americanos to be specific, and uh, two slices of uh, rye toast with uh, smooth peanut butter, because there is only one peanut butter, and that's smooth. Yeah. <laughs> well, for me, there's no peanut butter. So yeah, it's the crunchy, smooth there. argument, so I, I'm going to put that in there. <laughs> <laughs> well, then, Sheldon, can you beat that? What did you have for breakfast today? Yeah, I think I kept it light today. I had a... Uh a protein shake and some scrambled eggs with some ketchup on it because I can't eat eggs without ketchup, so. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. It's the ketchup yeah. on scrambled eggs for sure. Yeah, no, I am uh, I'm the same. Um, and, you know, my uh, my benefit of being sort of a few hours uh, ahead of you guys in the UK was I could, I had more of a brunch um, than a breakfast. So uh, uh, I went for scrambled eggs on, on uh on a bit of toast and yeah, a bit of pepper and ketchup for me as well. So, uh, yeah, it sets me up right for the rest of the day. (laughs) So, Steve, um, for those uh, listening in or watching that um, don't know you, uh, can you give you a a little intro to yourself and Group 92, please? Sure, sure. So um, we're a, uh, it's a Group 92 is a mechanical contracting firm uh, in the uh, industrial institutional uh, commercial setting. Uh, 29 years now. It's a company I started back in 92. There's a big surprise with the name. Uh, not exactly a marketing genius uh, 30 years ago, so it <laughs> sounded good. Uh, but basically, yeah, we're plumbing, plumbing and uh, plumbing and heating, uh, process piping, chilled water, anything, anything along those lines. So we're located in uh, the Niagara region uh, in Ontario. So great place. 10 minutes from the falls. Perfect. <laughs> I've um, yet to actually see the falls. Every time I've been there, the weather's been so bad that I can hear the falls, but I can't actually see the falls. So hoping at some point, uh, you know, post-pandemic, that I'll be able to actually get to the falls and see the falls properly. I'll make sure to visit you in the summer next time, Steve. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's I would, yeah. <laughs> Um, so uh, th- th- this webinar is sort of a, a follow-up um, to, um, or this podcast even, is a follow-up to a webinar that um, you uh, both um, were, um, were on a couple of weeks ago, where we started to uh, talk and consider what the impact of, uh, of COVID and the pandemic was on, um, on the industry um, and what next for us. Um, so, um, you know, before we sort of get into it, I mean, uh, any, any sort of reflections from sort of either or both of you on 
so the content of that webinar and um, you know where you sort of see us now and where we're going. Yeah, I think with I think with the office space and and I think at first people thought that was the end of the office. No one's going in. I think that's changed. Uh, going forward, you're going to see people going back to the office. Maybe not the same capacity. Uh, uh, some employees work remote or kind of take time off. But I know a few tech companies they scheduled for Labor Day for their employees to come back with the role seeing how well it's going in the States and uh, picking up in Canada. I think that timeline is going to move forward probably early summer. You we'll go back into the office. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I still maintain kind of where, you know, from that, from, from, uh, from our, our uh, panel discussion, I think we see a, I'm still still feeling like there'll, there'll be a hybrid of of it. There's a dynamic with getting people in a room, right? And for me, I, I mean, I had to come, I came into the office at times during COVID, it was just myself, but I'm such a creature of habit. And for me, it's also a frame of mind. And uh, and I and I know my wife is happy, and my even my daughters. Like if I was at home, they're like, "Oh no, it just wouldn't be good." So, so I'm I'm sure I'm not the only one. Uh, but uh, that's what I I think, you know, from 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 from, from that. And uh, yeah. <laughs> so um, just before we um, sort of press record, um, you uh, were start to talk about. Um, the sort of the impact uh, that you're currently experiencing in the market around so the the risk and the risk primarily around projects that have not started yet, uh, projects that are maybe sort of a, a twinkle in the eye almost of some developers, uh, and how that is sort of shifting compared to where we were. Uh, do you want to sort of uh, go into that a little bit, Steve? Yeah, I I, I think. Um our industry uh, for the most part have in, enjoyed relatively stable market conditions and uh, 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 particularly around uh, pricing you know you you would have steel you'd see some steel fluctuation but generally it, it was it was sort of a risk that you looked at but you weren't as concerned and I'd say actually even from the time we did our our um, our uh, our uh, the panel discussion. I, I I think that's the that's almost the number one thing for me. We've seen increases, and they're not, you know, it's it's uh, increases in PVC, steel, um, sheet metal, like our sheet metal is still related to steel, um, uh, copper, and um, uh, and it's not just okay. It's three percent for the year. It's we've seen. PVC alone, you know, resin shortages go, you know, three to seven percent. Steel, in some cases, uh, we, some some you can't get, but but um, but cost increases of twenty five percent. So, uh, and I think it's that uncertainty when you we start to look at projects that are down the road. We just you know tendered a a, a new school, and and uh, and it was a real consideration. I and I think you have to. I think you have to start looking at that risk. We've already, you know, we've had a couple projects we were successful on that we've been in January that we have costs and you'd be hard pressed to go back for those costs. You know, they awarded within the tender. So shortening up even the quotation uh, tender times, you know, from if, if possible, we'll, you'll see those movements uh, and uh, for acceptance periods, uh, shortening of acceptance periods. So, so what 
what needs to um, to change uh, for us as an industry to better manage those risks? Is it a change in the the procurement process so that there's greater um, flexibility and, and understanding around uh, what inflation uh, inflationary prices might have and the impact that has on uh, sort of the top line price, but also sort of you know the specialist subcontractors like yourselves further down the line. Um, or is there a, a, a change in approach in how we build and what we use to build um, that can lessen the load, as it were? Oh, yeah. I think um, I don't think I don't think the materials are necessarily going to change. You may have had an option, you know, before where you'd say, you know, we've seen plastic now in in, in institutional, commercial, uh, uh, multi-unit, residential, etc., um, where you'd have cast iron, you'd have steel, and you'd have these fluctuations. But you know, um, PVC is actually having more fluctuation than steel is right now. So because of, because of re resin shortages, right? Um, so I think. I think it's not necessarily that. I just think that the contractors need to be cognizant that they are taking on a lot of risk. If we look at our material nearly, and this is just direct material, 30 cents of every dollar of sales goes to direct material. And we work on tight, tight margins. It doesn't take a material fluctuation very much to eat up your, your profit or, or start to cut into your overheads. So I think you got to allow for that risk. The question is, and if anybody wants to do work on it, is trying to trying to look and say, what do those those prices look like a year and two years? We're building two years out. The school's two, you know, by the time I'm buying pipe for it, it'll be it'll be a year from now. So um, and I think that's the scariest piece. And when we look at that, trying to find out what that percentage is, and we're we're throwing a bit of a dart. You know, we're covering, you know, but it, is it enough? And I think that's my uncertainty in that is probably concerns me the most. Before you could predict a little bit more consistently, 3%, 5%. I think I think the rules are out the window right now. So it's a, it's a bit yeah. of a, an education for, for me as a sort of, you know, from the UK. How, how long on average are you expected to hold your prices um, from sort of tender to build? Well, from tender to build, um, it's more uh, from tender to acceptance period of tender. Once they have accepted the tender, it, it's it's on us. So you, you're holding your prices. Um, Regardless of how long it takes for yeah. you to then get on site. Yeah. yeah, and typical, like uh, you'll see on average, if it's an institutional customer, 60 days, some are 90 days. But we have, we've, we've had one tender that went back a couple of months now and the tender periods expired. We will we will have to reevaluate our price before you'd kind of go. Ah, okay, we we can't afford to do it in this one case because we saw these substantial jumps. And I don't want this to be self fulfilling prophecy. It could be just a moment in time that we're seeing. You know, uh, there's a there's a general shortage. Period. COVID has caused a shortage. So this is uh, you know market pricing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I don't know. Has the um, uh, things like the Suez Canal uh, will that have affected you guys in North America as much as it's affected us? I guess it's the the wrong part of the world in some ways, isn't it? So because yeah, there was, uh, it, it certainly impacted us in the UK massively. Yeah. Um, 
Sorry, Sheldon, go ahead. Yeah, I, I don't know how much of it affected us. Yeah, to Ben, to your point, mostly the UK would probably be affected from the, the cargo coming in through the Suez Canal. Um, I'm not sure how much in Canada was affected. I'm sure uh, there's been a affected on certain industries in Canada, but probably not as much uh, as, as in the UK. Yeah, totally agree uh, with Sheldon. A lot of ours is domestic. We, when I say domestic, it's US bound. Yeah. You know, US or Canadian, so a lot of the direct materials are are, are are come out come out of of here and we we do have a quite a domestic manufacturing side so yeah so if the um uh so the the, the fluctuation in, in price is sort of you know it's a supply shock in some ways isn't it there's a, a a limit in what is sort of coming into the the marketplace um do you think that it's a short term spike then or do you think that you know prices are, are up and sort of will this is the new norm in terms of uh, where the benchmark price is. Sheldon, I think it depends <laughs> on. I think I think it depends on how long we're in this pandemic for. Um, you know, we have uh, at, at a period of time where we thought we were beating it, and then there's a new strain coming out, and then more infections, more hospitalizations. So I think what to what Steve was saying, there's an uncertainty with the future, and and it's hard to forecast what's going to happen um, with pricing. Uh, it might stay up for a while uh, uh, to go with that as twofold as well, where there's a, li a labor shortage as well in Canada. It's hard to find people in, in trades or getting into trades as well. So who knows how long it will last? I think it might be for um, not the long term, but at least probably for another year. So you see kind of prices being stable. I don't yeah, know, Steve, I, what you think. Yeah, yeah no, I... I I wish I could predict it. I, I and that's why I think the I get where I was going earlier is is that it's it's not. I I just what we're seeing is it's irrational and um, irrational in the sense that uh, we just don't we you know we even through COVID we through the heart of COVID we had pretty well price certainty which is very interesting and now we come out of it. I think a lot of it is related to shortages, uh, but I mean, the the economy is churning and the shortages and everything. We went to buy a pickup truck and it was like we almost felt lucky yeah. we could find one that was for sale. Like, you know, it's just that you, you see these general inventories and it, it and it's it's a very interesting economy. I, I, I've I don't think any, we've experienced anything. You know, you have some aspects that are just off the charts and then others of, you know, like um, you know, you want to buy restaurant supplies. I'm sure it'd be fairly easy right now. Like it's, yeah. you know, it's tragic too. There's a lot of people. Like there's there's too much, um, you know, have, have and have nots right now. You know, there's some people really really struggling in some businesses, and so, yeah, I I, I don't know. I can't. Uh, no, yeah, you're right. I mean, yeah, you know, me and Sheldon were talking about, you know, your Walmart of the world have stayed open and have been fine, whereas a lot of your smaller um, sort of, you know, owner operated type shops selling the same goods haven't been able to stay open and are struggling a lot more. And there does seem to be sort of a an unfairness in the approach to um, uh, certain ways of uh, interpreting rules and things like that around the world. You know, the UK is the same as Canada. You know, the the big boys have managed to to stay open a lot more than the the little guys and, and things like that. But I, and I'm with you, Steve, as well. There's certainly this a real pent up demand in many ways, isn't there? There's there's been a lot of people 
just going, oh, I'm not sure whether I want to sort of press the button and go yet. And it keeps sort of you know, knocking on, knocking on a little bit. Yeah, you, you yeah. have a yeah perfect storm, right? You have mm -hmm. money falling from the sky right now because it's at 1.25%. And and people that have, you know, money, that's that's part of what's driving the stock market right now is just people have, have money. I mean, we've all, I know I've saved a fair amount of money, you know, <laughs> with the, the pandemic. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, and no. they're buying stuff, so. Yeah, sure well, I've, yeah. I've managed to save it until other people in the household decide how to spend it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, so moving, you know, forward as we were, you know, um, mechanical especially um, is probably going to be seen as far more important in many ways um, to create an environment where people feel safe. Um, you know, the, a real sort of drive for cleaner air, better circulation of air, these type of things. So in, in terms of the, the the process of building, you see that, you know, yourself as a sort of a specialist um, subcontractor, do you think you'll start getting involved earlier in projects and, and being able to sort of impart some of your experience and your knowledge at an earlier and probably better stage of a project? Um, well, we, we, we do that in design build to begin with. The idea, though, I think I think what we are seeing is just this general building health. It was it was on the horizon before. When you look at asset managers, they were they they were you know rating. They're moving towards these ratings of you know the business the the uh, it's like a health of a business. Some of the buildings are the health of a building, um, and and frankly, um, you know, the mechanical guys are always seen as that's the stuff behind you know the wall, and nobody really cares until the air is not very good or that they're cold or hot you know so i actually see that moving to the forefront it's it's no different than we i guess are as people everybody's a lot more concerned with their personal health and and these sort of things and now instead of fancy light fixtures they they care about the air they're breathing versus the the light fixture so i think for mechanical you know generally mechanical a lot more attention's being paid to it a lot more probably in the design it's a it's uh it 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 it's it's a good thing. I mean, we're always preaching, but nobody cares what's behind the wall, right? Um, yeah, no, the, uh, so, yeah, things like the yeah. uh, the well certific certification, you know, that'll certainly gather a lot more momentum. Yeah. I think my um, my favourite one, just because of what it's called, is Australia's. It's called Neighbours. I mean, they, all they need now is one called Home and Away as well. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but you're right, and it'll be interesting, really, what the impact of um, of the end users is to to to, to the way they approach uh, the real estate that they buy. You know, if you've got two similar buildings, one has well certification. Are you more willing to spend a little bit more per square foot per square meter to occupy that space compared to one that isn't well certified and you're maybe not sure as to whether it has the sort of the, the health and well-being requirements that people sort of are more generally willing to or expect moving mm -hmm. forward. So I don't think yeah. that is the the value of space. Um, it has been more about where you are as much as anything else really, hasn't it, historically, rather than um, you know, geographically where you are, rather than sort of, you know, the environment where you are. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it, it will be the standard, I think, going forward, having the mechanical on the forefront and the air quality, um, better improved systems on commercial um, applications. I think you'll see that um, now from going forward. Um, more people are concerned with, you know, the space that they share and the air that they breathe. So I know uh, in the school system as well, a lot of the old schools don't have uh, grade HVAC systems, where I think going forward, any school being built, I think is going to have that now and look at, okay, how can we improve on the air quality for the kids? Mm -hmm. Well, I think, yeah, and I think to add to Sheldon's point is that you'll see the buildings being retrofitted, like that's, yeah. whereas before they, we're seeing it now, like we're, we, we have a, couple projects right now that are dealing exactly with that where there just wasn't there's no airflow it's a it's a portable with an exhaust fan like and yeah. uh, 30 yeah. you know kids breathing and coughing and sneezing um, a lot of the newer buildings the ASHRAE codes and that they pick that up like airflows and, and things and and uh, fresh air that's all picked up you know so any new builds uh, not, I wouldn't say any new real surprises unless they they exceed the requirements they currently have, but they're excellent now. Uh, so new builds, but definitely on the retro side of it, absolutely. Before, like you said, it, it was sort of the thing that was ignored, um, but it's as important, in, especially in the older buildings, it's as important as windows and doors and everything else. Yeah. As, um, as an industry, can we do more to educate the the end users, the the, the specifiers at times who are sort of you know one-off uh, owners, one-off clients that don't necessarily know the industry, but all of a sudden are in charge of. Well, I need a new home on a personal level, or I need a new school, um, and they've got no experience in the industry. Is there something that we should do more of? to educate them in what we can and can't do or, or just be more accessible to them? Yeah. Um, yeah, probably accessible. Like I think, I think that uh, they, as far as educating them, I, I think their clients are educating them right now. I think that they're asking the questions. What about this? What about air quality? You know, and and the owners that do the developments, they have they're going to have to pay attention to it. Um, the engineers are well aware of it. Like I said, new builds pretty much covered off. But on existing, someone's looking at buying an existing building. I don't think it's going to be just a question of how much is it going to cost to refinish the brick in the front to make it look cool. I think it's going to be what's the air system like in here? And what do I have to do to upgrade uh, upgrade the mechanical side of things? Mm. So that's you know, like like I said, just I think it's part of the conversation. Same reason, you know, airplanes are advertising how many times they change the air. Everybody knew it it sucked before when you were on a plane. You go, <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm breathing a lot of the same air. Here. <laughs> and now you're like, now now suddenly we're interested in air changes, <laughs> you know, like you know, and, and uh, on the plane. Even I'm like, I wonder what they're doing for fresh air on planes, you know, <laughs> like. So I think that's yeah. it, it. Just pulls over. It pulls over. The consumer is going to drive it, and uh, they nobody's going to have to look for it because it's a, it's a service that can be provided, which is opportunity. Yeah, but the, the, uh, the, the end user for the for construction is often not part of the process. 
um, you know, you sort of assume what the end people, you know, the employees or the children who are going to fill the building, you, you know, you're sort of assuming what they want and need rather than actually asking them and really sort of understanding. So it'll be interesting how we sort of move forward and if there's any um, change in sort of the, the way uh, we manage stakeholders more generally uh, as an industry and try and talk to the the wider population about what it is that they're going to end up getting and is that what they really want yeah 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 i think i think you're yeah it's just meeting i think the smart guys are going to get out in front of that and understand that you know they don't need they shouldn't be asking the questions they should know the answers and then <laughs> they're going to satisfy that answer that's that's your chance to to, uh, to separate yourself from the next person and your competitor, whether you're a developer or mechanical or GC or any of those sort of things. I do know that when we do a design build now, the conversations around mechanical are going to be a lot more detailed. And that's okay. That's a thing we welcome because we want to do, you know, we've always, as a company, that's the way we do our business. You know, it's a it's a it's a health. We have to have re, you know ducted return air in a medical building. Other guys, oh, you don't need that. Well, no, you do need that. <laughs> and uh, so now I think, you know, but, but times I say potentially you have an owner or developer doesn't want to listen because there's a cost associated with it. And we've always said, look at this is the right system for that application. You need to do this. This is what you mm -hmm. have to do. But there, you know, some cases we saw, we we've seen willful, willful, willful <laughs> ignorance, and um, and uh, of course you lose out on the bid. Versus now, I think they'll understand that. And um, you know, and I guess for um, for you uh, and something that the industry's been picking up on over the last couple of years, but I'm sure we'll sort of really drive forward more and more. Um, the um, sort of digital engineering BIM sort of integrated models with sort of the the GCs and you that will do nothing but help those conversations. Yeah, yeah, it, it's a different format with. Um, yeah, <laughs> I think <laughs> yeah. I try to. BIM is used in a different for for us differently, you know, for interferences and prefab and modular and things like that. But uh, I mean, years ago there was a prof a professor started and he he could he could you know analyze like digitally analyze airflows and what they actually look like, you know, the equivalent if you sprayed mist into an airstream, mm -hmm. and it was that sort of look to it. And I remember when he he came to my office, I'm like, this is a really neat tool. Like I guess if you versus now maybe by extension modeling those sort of things and yeah it all kind of speaks to it but modeling the actual what the error is going to do you know those maybe more of a movement towards that maybe i'm speaking from ignorance i haven't come across it yet maybe it's going on but but uh yeah mimicking you know trying to see exactly what error is going to do in a space we we pretty sure we know what it looks like and the style and the way we design but more attention perhaps to that yeah, it's, it's different when you, you talk about the airflow, but then when you actually see it and what the effects, like you said, the mist and how it travels, then you showing that to a client end user, then it gets them thinking, right? So Yeah. So so this professor, wherever he is, uh, that was developing this, he was just <laughs> ahead of his time because this was, you know, 
15 yeah. years ago, we actually looked at it thinking, oh, this is, you know, if we ever get into this sort of disagreement on, on you know, systems, this is perfect to, to sort of uh, a proving ground for us. Now I think instead of a proving ground that, hey, what we thought would work, these are things that potentially, you know, could be modeled ahead of time so we know it works. Mm. But, yeah. Well, just on that, I think we've uh, sort of overran slightly our uh, allocated time uh, <laughs> in terms. Uh, so, um, so, so that I don't get too much of a telling off I get uh, when it. Sarah comes to uh, edit. Uh, <laughs> I, I will. Uh, Joe Rogan after this, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Steve, thank you very much as always for your time and a very engaging uh, conversation. Sheldon, thank you for joining us. Uh, for all of you watching, listening. Uh, please do uh, like, subscribe and share. Uh, make sure that um, uh, you uh, tune in to uh, our next episode as well. So uh, from me and everyone, thank you very much. Great. Want to learn more about how Invent can help your business maximize its bottom line? Head on over to www.invent.com and get in touch with our team today. Thanks for joining us this week on the Construction Big Breakfast. Make sure to visit our website, www.invent.com, where you can subscribe to the Construction Big Breakfast on all platforms so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in the show, we'd appreciate a positive rating. Or if you'd simply share it with a friend, that would help us out too. Be sure to tune in for our next episode.